real people, real lives, and demonstrating how we're not just providing fibre in the sky. That's at the heart of this podcast episode. From explaining how firefighters use health sensors for data analytics, to managing the complex election process for a huge geographical area such as Burkina Faso, and understanding the impact on welfare of crew working thousands of miles away from home. Welcome to Satellite Stories. I'm your host, Christina Smith-Meyer. So far during our Satellite Stories series, we've heard tales from out at sea, we visited Brazilian football pitches and watched snow volleyball championships in Austria. And today, we hear fascinating insights from a former U.S. diplomat and a retired U.S. Army colonel. These days, both are well-established SES colleagues, but their hands-on knowledge of what it's like to work out in the field is vital in helping us, as a company, reach and design services that get to the heart of the issues governments are facing across the world. Later, we'll meet Jack Deasy, who can tell us about what that means practically both on a local and global government scale. But first, let's meet John Atkinson. He holds a senior role in global government sales at SES, which, if I'm honest, doesn't really give much justice to what he actually does on a daily basis. He's part of the outreach team for global services, handling opportunities for land, air, and naval verticals within Europe, Middle East, and Africa. And defense and security are pretty much his middle names. Before he joined SES just a few moons ago, his career began in the US Marine Corps, retiring as a colonel with 34 years of service. After that, he led the way in ISR, or Intelligence Surveillance Reconnaissance Portfolios, for the US Department of Defense. But these days, His role isn't about the nuts and bolts of building the tech to make our MEO offering work. It's about understanding what impact it has on real people and our customers. Every person that works at SES should be very proud of the fact that they're saving lives, that they're bringing families together. I don't think we sometimes understand how great it is because if you don't have the information, you are blind. So SES, opens the eyes to the possibilities. We're a company that brings people together. We're a company that has impact out there. We're a company that changes people's lives for the better. Whether working with troops on the front line or leading a rescue team following Hurricane Katrina, John has seen firsthand the importance of connectivity during humanitarian assistance and disaster relief efforts. And so he goes on to tell me the story when working with SES of watching a live video aboard the U.S. Navy ship, USS Fort Worth, as engineers and medics used O3B to support crew during a medical emergency. They went through their protocol. None of the communications device worked. We had an FSR, field service rep, on the ship. He went to the dock, that's what you call the corpsman, on a ship is dock and said, here's my Samsung. The dock did a 45 minute console while they were in the South China Sea, all the way 
back to San Diego, California, to the Naval Hospital and saved a sailor's life. So you're saving lives, you're being efficient with your time, and you're also enabling people to talk real time back home as well, right? Because Yes, it, that was the command master chief, because I had talked to him and I had said, what's the most important thing that's come out of this deployment with O3B? And he said, well, there's this operational consideration, which is meaning, but he said the most important thing. He says, I've been at sea for 18 years. I recently got married, and every night I've been able to read my two and a half year old daughter a bedtime story over Facebook. That's real. That means he's staying in because he can continue to talk to his family, but that's the ability to change lives. How many times do we see people on FaceTime or Facebook talking to family and friends? Wait, let's talk about going into the Sub-Sahara. Let's talk about bringing telemedicine to the people in remote areas of the world. Or how about education? Education is the power that society needs, and that power can be spawned through O3B Empower. Our thanks to John for helping us all understand why connectivity really matters. Our conversation in a tiny room in our Luxembourg offices really inspired me personally. And it left me curious to learn more about the government segment and what happens in these teams within SES. So I found a man in Washington who really knows his stuff. Before he worked in the satellite industry, Jack Deasy was with the US government as a diplomat in Latin America and Europe. He's been with SES since 2003 and now is VP of Market Segment Solutions for Government. First, we started by discussing who and what we are talking about when we say the government segment. Everything from uh, international um, security and development organizations through national defense, border patrol, resource management, all the way to uh, local firefighting and um, police forces. You've mentioned security, government agencies, emergency response. What role does satellite play in these? Well, for government agencies, um, obviously they each have different missions, but uh, common to all those missions is a need to be responsive, to uh, make effective use of taxpayer money in carrying out their missions. And increasingly, these are data-driven organizations in order to carry out efficiency and effectiveness. And they are missions that um, happen anywhere. Rural education, uh, development in um, Africa and Latin America and in Southeast Asia, all of these activities can happen. And the governments want to be able to use the same communication networks that they use every day in capitals, in their major offices, to um, deliver services at their most remote facilities. And that's where satellite fits in. Can we talk a little bit about what kind of services emergency response will use versus security or government agencies, what they'll be using satellite for? Sure. Um, so governments are highly effective users of satellite communications. But what they use it for can vary dramatically. So, for example, a local fire department operating on a, um, an urban wildland interface area where you've got housing and businesses built up against areas prone to wildfire. 
Those are respondents who are very data oriented. They're interested in the weather, they're interested in local humidity, they're interested in the track of the fire, the heat of the fire. The details matter enormously to their ability to affect it. And in addition, how the firefighting activity itself is affecting firefighters. So often firefighters have health sensors on them so that people can be sure that they, when they're in these tremendously challenging environments that they aren't getting overheated or aren't getting overstressed or in other words, might find themselves in danger while they're rescuing other people. All of this data is very limited in its usefulness if it stays out there on the fire lines because out on the fire lines, they're fighting the fire. If they can get that data back to a, a local command post or even a fire station uh, away from the fire, can analyze it, can track it, they can use um, geographic information systems to map it, compare it to other data that they have available, water sources, weather sources, you can have a much more effective effort to um, more quickly respond to fires, to save lives and protect property. So that's one kind of operation where the use of data and the use of satellite very much go together. The other extreme is your classic military scenario where commanders on the front lines need to be in direct contact with their chains of command. And a satellite link is by far the most effective and often the only way of having real-time communications for video conferencing and other collaborative interactive things that allow you to make um, intelligent decisions in really high stress um, rapidly changing situations. And then that also applies to, to the troops who are out there as well, right? They're able to contact home. That's absolutely right. The same networks that can deliver the operational effectiveness can also support morale and welfare. And a number of um, military services now, um, particularly in Western Europe, are really prioritizing morale and welfare services. As the millennial generation takes on more and more responsibility, they are people who have been connected as long as they can remember and view connectivity as an important part of quality of life. And the ability to keep young men and women um, at sea, at remote bases, performing these security services is very much a function of their ability to stay connected at home, to uh, interact with their family and friends in a real-time basis. And that's all with our current MEO constellation, or what we call O3B. That's right. So SES had previously provided morale and welfare services, for example, to troops using um, geostationary satellites um, that are significantly higher in the space, and therefore the latency is much higher. When you have the advantages of the O3B constellation with much lower latency, anything that is latency affected, whether it's um, talking to your family or a significant partner on the phone uh, on a video conference, or uh, gaming with friends is very much affected by, and the quality of the experience is much higher if you can use the low latency service. So before you jumped into the satellite industry, did you ever ha have an experience where you were in a really remote location and you could really feel that really dire need to be connected? Um, I was a user of satellite rather than a satellite expert before I came into uh, to the satellite industry. As a relatively young diplomat, I would go to remote places where something was happening. Uh, I remember one time I was at an impeachment hearing uh, in a country where the Congress was separate from the capital city. And I had to drive down at two hours, stay up all night watching the hearing. It was a very big deal because it was part of uh, restoration of democracy and it was the assertion of judicial justice. Wow. Um, the person being impeached was corrupt and it was a very positive development. I had to get 
back in my car, drive back to the capital city <laughs> and type up a report because there was no internet. And we literally at that point were still sending these messages over cable lines. Today, you could do all of that live by satellite, including live pictures, interviews with the key people testifying, even images of the actual moment when this democracy really solidified itself by taking that historic vote. What a huge change it's been already. It's, it's really astonishing how quickly this has all changed. And since I've come into the satellite industry in 2003, the ability to do portable data was just starting then. And now when you combine the O3B capabilities with, for example, the ability to extend that into a local hotspot with a Wi-Fi network, you really can completely change the ability of large numbers of people to be connected and accessing all the benefits of the, the World Wide Web at the same time in places we never imagined. And we're, we're actually looking to push this even further, right? That's right. So the O3B constellation was barely fully deployed before the take-up had been so impressive that we started thinking about a next generation. And so we now, uh, SES has um, designed, funded, and is well on the path to uh, building the next generation of Mio Constellation, the uh, O3B Empower. So could you give me an example of one or two different types of customers that we have, just delving a little bit deeper? Sure. A really, a really interesting example we have is a, is a government-to-government um, activity that we do with the nation of Burkina Faso in West Africa. The government of Luxembourg and SES had partnered to support local government to have uh, an effective communications network that extended the local government network that already existed on the ground, but didn't reach enough of the country. It's a, it's a large country on the edge of the Sahel and, and the Sahara Desert, so challenging environments. So we put in five of our O3B um, high throughput, low latency uh, satellite dishes to provide nodes for the local government to then the network at these remote locations connected back into their national networks. And that allows the government to deliver the full range of security and um, citizen services that they want to be able to provide without being limited by geography. And what kind of citizen services are those? So they do everything from election monitoring and election conducting elections all the way through um, border patrol, and just communications on a day-to-day basis among government offices. But what would something like O3B Empower mean to them? Well, O3B Empower takes all the benefits of the O3B constellation of today, makes it a lot more scalable, a lot more flexible, um, and gives users a number of choices that no one else has today in terms of how they manage their traffic. So in Burkina Faso, for example, today we have five different terminals across Burkina Faso. All of that data goes from the terminals up to our O3B satellites and then lands um, at a gateway in Western Europe. From there, it goes into the internet. You can put it on private lines, but it has to land at one or two of these places. There are are, are a small number around the world. With O3B Empower, we could, for example, have that entire network completely um, landed in the country, never leaving the country. So the traffic could, for example, go from these terminals up to the satellite and back down to a central location for the government itself of Burkina Faso. That adds to their security. It makes them feel more comfortable about national sovereignty issues, the full range of things that governments like with their networks. And at the same time, 
the constellation is going to allow us to put a lot more bandwidth in a lot more places and to only put and to put that bandwidth exactly where we need it. So if Burkina Faso had six more sites, but they weren't necessarily 600 megabit sites, they were maybe 100 megabit sites, it'll be cost effective with O3B and power to be able to expand the network uh, to those more remote locations and then further build out the network from there. And what does that mean for the one of the 19 million people? What does it mean for them? So the, the interesting thing about this is, on one hand, it means that a lot more of them will be connected, able to access the internet, distance learning, telemedicine, all the things that connectivity gives you. On the other hand, O3B Empower is going to be sufficiently advanced that it'll essentially be transparent to the user. Most of our users won't know that they're working on a satellite network. They may have a, a cell phone, a mobile phone, or maybe even be talking in a, a landline or operating on a computer. And the satellite element of it will be delivered as part of our network offering. So for them, it's just connectivity, which is as it should be. So that's where the, I guess, the saying fiber in the sky comes from. That's right. And um, I think at SES, our feeling is we're the ex experts at that. Our users shouldn't have to worry about that to the extent that they have capabilities um, as real partners in developing these solutions. But when it comes to the end user, whether it's a, a sailor looking for morale and welfare, or it's a, a drone operator doing safety of pipelines in remote places and taking real-time images, we don't think that they should have to worry about their connectivity. We will take care of that, and it'll, we just want them to be able to count on it and know that it'll give them the reliability they need. So you gave a couple of really good examples of how satellites being used today by a number of different customers in the government sector. But could you just tell us what would it mean for the firefighters that you mentioned to have O3B in power in their situation? Well, the biggest challenge of O3B today is it's really designed as an enterprise solution. It's extremely cost effective with um, large groups of people all in one place, which is what makes it a great solution for remote command posts, for example, for the military. With firefighters, where you could be spread out over hundreds of miles and have, you know, six or seven small command posts, each, each doing, you know, life and death work and needing the connectivity, O3B and Power will be able to support all of them at the same time and be able to do it in a scalable and affordable and secure way, which, of course, when you're dealing with any public safety thing is incredibly important. Could you then give me an example of how ISR would benefit from O3B and Power? Um, absolutely. So um, uh, ISR, Intelligence, Surveillance and Reconnaissance, is basically the combination of the growing world of sensors and then mobility platforms to move those sensors so that they can take the readings wherever they're needed. So the classic example of that is uh, an unmanned um, flying vehicle, a UAV or a, a drone. But people do this. The whole world of Internet of Things is about sensors. SES's current constellation we have a partnership with a European agency that does a number of different elements of uh, maritime security, both resource management, fisheries protection, uh, protecting areas from poaching, for example, but also uh, border protection um, and even um, security for migrants. And these involve, of course, very large amounts of ocean, which makes it really hard to know what's going on and really critical to know what's going on in exactly the part of the area where you know, someone is uh, illegally fishing or um, intruding on a national border. The use of drones for that enables the um, agency to have the full coverage 
but it's only really something they can act on if they can get that information in real time, not delayed. And if they have to wait to the, for the drone to land and upload the data into the network, the activity has moved on. So today, you were able to support that at relatively low latencies. Uh, when we get into the world of O3B and power, we'll be able to support a wide range of sensors all operating at the same time. So we can get live video, we can do infrared, you can understand what's going on even below the surface of the ocean. All of that at the same time delivered in real time from a flying vehicle directly back to decision makers who can then turn around and instruct the operators how to go out and deal with the incident. And is there no existing solution that is out there for people to be able to do that now? There are some, but their capabilities are limited. So, for example, today the amount of data that we can get off of these sensors um, is much more than we can support over existing traditional satellite capability. And SES has the state of the art in terms of what can be supported. So when you move up the value chain to O3B and Power, governments spend a lot of money on these platforms and they can get the full value of their investment by being able to use all of their uh, sensors at the same time, which is how the missions were originally designed and they're currently being choked by, by throughput capabilities. Peacekeeping agencies are really interesting because the international community puts people in the most challenging places in the world. And peacekeeping missions have evolved from being a group of, of armed people between two warring parties that we we're trying to separate to much more of a peacemaking in which you can have a large number of different local groups all sort of involved in a, in a reconciliation and peace process, but very complex local dynamics. And across places like Africa, for example, there are large bases that support peacekeeping operations from a number of different um, intergovernmental organizations. These look a lot like military operations. They have their own ISR drones, um, they have local security, they have base facilities, they have people assigned for long periods of time in difficult locations that need morale and welfare. They have their own requirements for live video and connectivity to their capitals for both breaking news and regular operations. And then in addition to all of that, they are increasingly using cloud-enabled platforms for their back office, for finance and personnel and travel and ordering and procurement. Um, you've got large facilities supporting literally thousands of troops in highly difficult situations where the organizations want to be able to make sure that if they have to leave quickly, they're not leaving lots of equipment and sensitive data. So as a result, the ability to do the full range of activity that peacekeeping operations do at their headquarters at their most challenging and remote sites is highly valued and highly valuable to the operations. So what we are seeing is a real interest in being able to do access to the cloud in order to access back office capabilities, live video uh, for command and control and communications with headquarters, for internet browsing and just general information gathering, and then um, morale and welfare. And in the nature of these operations, these are 24-7 activities. So the ability to do all of these things at the same time over the satellite link, they want to be able to expand the reach of those operations. They want to get the full benefit of the low latency service at multiple places at the same time. 
And all of this is also happening at a time when concerns about cybersecurity and network control and management are, are growing in governments and non-governments. And so the unique flexibility of uh, the O3B Empowered Network in terms of gateways, being able to be very flexible about how we form the network and change it to meet changing government requirements essentially on the fly. These are the things that customers are really intrigued about. And if we look to the future, so 2021 when O3B Empower is available, but also beyond, what can they expect from us? Um, I think that uh, very quickly uh, O3B Empower is going to become the core element of all government networks. I think that any government activity that requires mobility, that requires sophisticated data operations at the edge of their networks and beyond, and that requires flexibility, is going to need O3B Empower as part of their network. And we're designing O3B Empower exactly to be able to fit into broader government networks. Um, and so what I expect is the network operators for governments in 2021, 2022, will be very familiar and in fact, very active partners with us as O3B Empower develops further. At the same time, I expect that their users are going to feel that, okay, I'm just getting better connectivity in more places, but they're not particularly going to be aware that it's O3B Empower at all. It'll be completely transparent to them. There's a lot of talk about the cloud and O3B Empower. What's happening there? It's a really exciting area because the evolution of thinking about the cloud has changed pretty dramatically. Initially, maybe 10 years ago, governments imagined they would never go to the cloud. The idea of of having not, uh, networks that they didn't completely control on a sovereign basis was inconceivable. Today, governments are, are increasingly feeling that the cloud is an important part of their network and in fact has some capabilities that they can't get any other way. For example, security updates can be done one time in the cloud to uh, protect the entire network, whereas they have to be done to each individual piece of hardware if those pieces of hardware are deployed without being connected to the cloud. So that kind of mindset reflects a real sea change in government's thinking about where cloud fits into their networks. So SES having the ability to deliver the MEO service and therefore a low latency capability over O3B has a unique offering with cloud operators. Um, and we have partnerships with several of the largest ones in the world, uh, both IBM um, and Microsoft, to support their customers to extend their clouds beyond where they have them today all the way to their most remote and challenging operational sites. All right, so Jack, then for you, what are you most excited about looking forward? Well, you know, it's funny, coming essentially from the user community, and I came from the community as a diplomat, we had satellite experts, but I never touched them. I saw them working and they magically made it happen. I'm very much focused on what connectivity everywhere means for people rather than the really cool stuff that we're doing to deliver it. And I'm really excited about the possibility of expanding on what we're doing today with sensors and ISR, which I think is currently viewed traditionally as a military thing, and that will continue to be important. But I think as drones and sensors expand, the impact on a huge range of government environmental issues, drug control issues, delivery of services to people, safety and security of networks and travel. I think all of that is going to really dramatically change. And I think it's going to be a very exciting time to be at the user end of receiving satellite services. Well, Jack, I've really enjoyed our chat. Thank you so much for your insights. That's been my pleasure. 
Next time on Satellite Stories, we learn more about the tech of how O3B Empower works. And what Stuart Sanders doesn't know about the satellite industry is probably not even worth knowing. He guides us through the process end to end and gets to the heart of what goes into a huge project like O3B Empower, from its birth on a post-it note to the big launch day. Subscribe to this podcast so you're notified the moment our next episode is available. And for more about what we do, visit SES.com.